You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. Tonight, we're talking about Ridley Scott's newest sci-fi film, The Martian. Our dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something is actually strange. The middle children of history, man. No purpose or place. We have no great war. No great depression. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Brian. With me tonight, as always, Jeremy Benson. Not as always, but as sometimes. Oh, no, as always. Ma- well, no, not all. No, no. no you, you, you were not there for two episodes, but whatever. You know, that's neither here nor there. You're here tonight. We're talking Ridley Scott. It's the Martian. Yes, sorry. I had to adjust a level here. I thought you were leaving it open for me to finish your sentence. Well, yeah, so... I wonder if we can work that into the podcast so that anytime we say the title, we just... Ridley Scott, The Martian. Oh, yeah, we should do that. Well, so are you going to go first, or should I go first? No, I want to be the one to go, The Martian. Okay, so you're going to be... Okay, so here we go. Ridley Scott. The Martian. <laughs> That's so fun. But, okay, we're we're talking about The Martian. Ridley Scott directed it, so we got that out of the way. Drew Goddard wrote it. Is I guess most famous for directing and co-writing Cabin in the Woods. And of course there's, you know, Matt Damon, Jessica Chastain. There's a bunch of people in this movie. Now this was a um self-published book that ended up getting picked up by Doubleday, right? Yeah. Uh writer's name is Andy Weir. Yeah, yeah, it was self-published and then a publisher picked it up, correct? Well, I think it started off as a blog. And then some people requested it in a download, and then he put it up on Amazon for like 99 cents. And then, yes, some publisher, whoever published the book, picked it up from there. Oh, okay. So this is a success story all the way around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you haven't... I mean, fuck, the trailer pretty much gives the basic plot. Dude gets left on Mars and has to figure out how to survive while NASA twiddles their thumbs trying to figure out how to get back to him. And they do even ask the question, wait, how much is this going to cost? Everybody asks that question. Let's face it. Yeah, it's... Even like, down to, like, we need to go to the store. How much is this going to cost? Do we really need this guy? How important is he really? I mean... I did wonder, like, after... Spoiler, but after the movie, I did wonder, like, if he ever would sit at his house and go, shit, they spent a lot of money to go get me. I better make my life worth some shit. <laughs> Did he have that old guy in Saving Private Ryan moment where he looks at his wife and goes, Am I a good man? If they had given the money they spent to come get me to the homeless, there would be no homeless. <laughs> Period. <laughs> that, that is true. Like, what is what is the cost of this? They never they never bring up how many trillions of dollars we're spending right. here. And also how much uh, China is also spending, because the Chinese do get involved. Yeah, it's a worldwide effort. 
to get him back from Mars. Okay, well, let's talk about that a little bit. Hey, Matt Damon and Jessica Chastain, what's going on? You guys uh, getting together making science fiction movies? <laughs> let's just keep the costumes. Although they never had a they never had a scene in Interstellar. No, they didn't. Really, they really don't have a lot of scenes in this movie either. Well, you know what? Let's let, let, play let's the play the trailer. trailer. I guarantee you that at some point, everything's going to go south on you. Ready? And you're going to say, this is it. This is how I end. Commander, Mark is dead. We have to go. Now you can either accept that, or you can get to work. This will come as quite a shock to my crewmates, and to NASA, and to the entire world. But I'm still alive. Yeah, we're really not good at that non-spoiler talk. We're going to tell you a lot of shit that happens in this movie. I mean, you know, we could go ahead and just, like, blanketly say, if you're searching the web and run across this podcast, and you have not seen them, we're going to give shit away. Yes. If that bothers you before you go see the movie, go see it first. Yeah, yeah you should always see it first, because, you know, otherwise you may get lost in the conversation. Right. But, dude, what a home run for Ridley Scott, man. Like, yeah, I thought so. Problems were being solved, and you were seeing intelligent characters doing intelligent stuff. Yeah, and, you know, it. it's just fun. It's just presented in a fun way, and just old-school storytelling. It had the opportunities to become pretentious, and it doesn't. It just, it's just fun. Yeah, no, it moves along quickly. It's not, this is not Castaway, where Matt Damon right. is carrying the whole film. There are other characters, and they are important to him getting off Mars. Yeah, and it, I mean, it becomes like a global... It shows that you know, when the world comes together and cooperates, we can get someone off of Mars. I loved. I mean, I just, I just thought the movie was great. Matt Damon does a, an excellent job of, you know, staying upbeat and staying like, okay, I'm gonna do this. I've got to do this, and even when like he gets really down and you feel it, but you never like get depressed. The movie is just a lot of forward progression of, of fun stuff. Yeah, and they make Matt Damon's character so, even when he loses his shit a couple times in the movie. Yeah. It's like, well, dude, I would have way lost my shit before then. Like, I can't believe you kept it together this long. Yeah, counting the uh, the supplies, I think that would have been it for me. Like, fuck. They're putting, these are smart guys. They're capable. What is it? The best of the best? Yeah. He has got the right stuff, dude. The right, yeah. Which is also a great movie about space travel. I felt his character was constantly believable, and Matt Damon did a, a great job in his performance. Yeah. All that aside, just thinking about like the crew and how they, you know, they've gone to Mars and now they're they're having their face with this choice toward the end of the movie of of going back to get him, and it's like another five hundred days to their mission, and you just think about living on that spacecraft for years. Ah, uh, you would be so I would be so claustrophobic. It would drive me nuts. There's nothing all around me outside, but death. Oh, yeah, it's, I mean, that scene in Interstellar where that guy taps on the wall and goes, it's getting to me, like, 24 inches of aluminum, and after that, there is nothing. Yeah. 
a storm comes through and you're hit and then you wake up and you're left alone. You're just left alone on this planet that nobody can grow stuff on and you're by yourself. You're the only person there. That would be just so isolating. All right, that that's a question I was I, I was kind of wondering about. So in the movie, like Matt Damon's stranded on Mars, right? right? He's got his food. Well, he has a certain amount of food. But he, okay, so he plants his potatoes, right? right? He cuts the potatoes in half, and he uses the fecal matter from their space potty, right? Or their habitat potty, whatever, because uh, they're not in space; they're on Mars. And he he uses that, but it's still in Martian soil. Yeah, he he has to basically fertilize the turn the turn the soil into fertile soil. It, can you do that? Is uh, that yeah? I think so. Oh, you can. Look then at he that. had me had to build a greenhouse. He had to burn and make water oh the the dude that was awesome that blew my mind i mean he totally went macgyver on that shit yeah that was great and there's a real funny scene the first time he does it and it's like oh man it's working it's working and boom (laughs) that was a really good moment but he doesn't give up he's right back in there again there's a real cool month man dude there's a bunch of cool montage scenes where he's like figuring things out the other one where they use the rover they use this old rover that uh, was left on Mars, I guess, like in the 90s or something. And it's got some really terrible camera, and he figures out a way that they can communicate. Yeah, the the uh, that certain alphabet. That yeah. If it turns to this, to this, yeah. And they figured out a way to and communicate. And it takes, like, hours to send a message back and forth, but... Yeah, I thought that uh, that was I mean, a really I even cool. like the little stuff, like when they first notice that he's alive, and they're trying to track where he's going, and... They keep, they're constantly like, what is he doing now? Mars is a lot colder than Earth, so he has the problem of he's got this little cart thing, but he can't drive very far because it gets too cold. Oh, the rover, yeah. So he has to figure out a way to make heat, and then he remembers that there's this nuclear thing, I don't know what it is, it's just a capsule thing that they bury in the dirt once the once they arrive, so he goes and gets that, puts it in his rover and it creates the heat that he needs to keep going at night yeah it's like a super explosive thing that's uh that's a really and it, it, that scene's kind of played for laughs too because it's kind of humorous because he's like yeah you know that thing that we shouldn't dig up i'm gonna dig it up <laughs> and that's kind of like oh this movie's got like a kind of fun like yeah well that's what gotta do this ridiculous thing clarify what we're talking about here like there's there's the log computers and cameras all over the place. So Matt Damon is leaving law, video logs of what he's doing. And we're getting to see these video logs. We're not just left watching Matt Damon do things on Mars and figure out what he's doing. He's explaining what he's going to do and as he's doing it. And that's where his personality is like keying in this. It's yeah. kind of like doing VO, but you're cheating. And... You know, they could have had him talking to himself, but just having the, the video monitors there was... Because it provides, like, a one-way humorous, like, some of those monologues where he's just like, you know, I like it when he's like, I'm the first guy to colonize Mars. So, yeah, take that. And he's got these real great, these moments where he's getting these brands. Or when he was just really pissed off that he was, this is the third day after he'd run out of ketchup. He's got to eat the potato raw. Yeah. Oh, man. He's dipping it in Vicodin. If you're in outer space, what about duct tape? Solves every problem, right? You don't have to be in outer space. You can solve every problem in the world with duct tape. Not only good for Mars, also for Earth. Yes, duct tape is amazing. 
Yeah, it saves his helmet. Uh, he gets a crack in his helmet. Duct tape saves him. Hell, at the end of the movie, NASA's like, all right, take the top of the capsule off and just put some fucking duct tape on it. Like, <laughs> don't worry about it. Oh, man. Yeah, that that was crazy. He lifts off at the end with the uh, the convertible rocket. His acting in that was really, really good. Like, through the whole movie, he is left to his own devices. He is in control of what's going on if he's going to survive to the next day. And then in that moment, he's left. He's strapped into a rocket that he is it's on autopilot and somebody else one of the people that left him there is now going to fly off into space and you can just see the fear in his face like like matt damon's breaking down in tears yeah i mean that's the moment that he's either going to make it or die and it's out of his hands all of that work comes down to he has to trust somebody else yeah and he's but he is totally fine with also He's also fine with executing his plan. Like he's like, yeah, hey, look, I'll press a button. Let's get out of here. And then a little bit later, they get up in the atmosphere, but then the ship can't get low enough for them to reach him. Yeah, because they miscalculated the wind resistance without the nozzle, the end, the tip of the rocket. So he ends up Iron Manning it at the end, which is like his first suggestion. And they're like, no, that's crazy. You can't do that. That's too risky. Which means he poked holes in the hands of his spacesuit and use the ejecting air as a propellant yeah and then there's that awesome scene where him and jessica chastain catch and they're wrapping around that cable that's pulling her out and that would have looked awesome in 3d we did not see it in 3d no we did not see it in 3d but i bet that does look amazing in 3d yeah it should prometheus looked really good in 3d it was amazing that they kept the camera equipment all all their reflective surfaces in this because matt damon's helmet is a huge piece of glass is covering the whole thing, and I thought maybe I saw like a little shadow of a camera once. Digitally but removed, maybe. I'm sure it had to be. I mean, even if you look at the poster, like you don't see the. That's a straight-on shot. You'd have to see the camera in it. They went through there and took. Oh, oh man, that would have been a pain in the ass. Can you imagine rotoscoping? No, I, I wouldn't even know how to do that. Oh my god, that would be. Oh, don't be so forget, terrible. my job is to go. Oh, can we just digitally remove that? And then somebody else goes, man, fuck him. The funny comment on set is always, oh, no, it'll work. It just We'll fix it in post. Let's keep going. Oh, the we'll fix it in post. And the post guys are always just like, oh, my God, would you please stop saying that? Well, in order to do things in post, you have to shoot proper elements, you know, to pull and these hey, things off. Everything I have ever said we would fix in post was fixable in post. That's what you do is you find the best people that will, that will work for you. Apparently, Ridley Scott's got really good people working with him. I mean, yeah, he's Probably Ridley one Scott. Of the, one of the best crews. Yeah, I mean, this guy did Alien and Blade Runner and Gladiator and, oh my God, The Duelist. Gem of Ridley Scott's that a lot of people don't know about. You should, if you haven't seen The Duelist, highly recommend that. All is forgiven for Prometheus, man. We're just completely over that. All, all the hate that Prometheus got, <laughs> we can just all wash that from us right now. You can just wash it off of you. You know, I don't... I don't blame Ridley Scott for me not caring about Prometheus. I think what happened on there is you have producers that are adamantly trying to make a an alien prequel. And then you have a director who is saying this is not an alien prequel. It exists in the same world. You have producers and a director that are conflicting in what they want to do. And the movie feels conflicted. You think it's too many different directions? Yeah, I think 
Ridley Scott really wanted to make a movie about the possibility of uh, the blue men being the creators or god of our planet. And then asking the question of, okay, well, it, just because they brought the seed to us doesn't mean that there's still not a god above them. Where the producers wanted to make straight-up alien prequel. Where did the ship and alien come from? So I think there was just there was just conflict in the making of the movie and the concept of where they were going to go. I dude, I bet you're right because the sequel to Prometheus is not going to be called Prometheus Two. It's actually called Alien, Paradise Lost or Lost Paradise. I forget what the subtitle is. Back with Alien now. Is Ridley doing it? Uh, no, I think he's just produ- producing. I think he passed directing so he could make this movie, The Martian. Yeah, I just I don't think he was interested in doing just a straight up prequel to what he did. And they, I think personally, I do not know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. They hired him because it would be a huge money thing to have Ridley come in and direct the prequel. Yeah, I can definitely see your point on that. Yeah, I guess my problems were with that it was tied as an alien movie. If it yeah, had not been, like, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more. When I when I watch it. When I first watched it, going in expecting an alien prequel, I I just couldn't. I was angry with it. <laughs> As a movie, if I separate it from the alien universe, there are parts of it I really like. I like a lot of the story. I like a lot of the execution. I like a lot of the questions it brings up. Where it gets weak to me is when it starts forcing itself to tie into alien. I mean, I love the beginning in the uh, like the first oh, fifteen minutes. Oh yeah. First 20 minutes is great. The alien abortion. Oh, that is... Oh, that's a good scene, dude. That is creepy as shit. Yeah, I didn't care for, like, Charlize Theron's character. You know, there was some of that stuff that didn't work. But, you know, the idea of... If you'd have taken the movie and said, okay, we're making this movie called Prometheus, and it's about we have found a map to to a planet that we think these people have visited Earth. So, and they may have been the ones that created us humans. So we're going to send the spaceship out to figure out who they are. It's like when you first see Prometheus and you're expecting an alien prequel, that's in the way. I want to know where the aliens are. I want to know how that ship got there. I mean, I was so tied in. I was like, man, what are they going to do? How's this going to How's this going to work? And then the minute Michael Fassbender poisons that one dude, that's when I was... As, as, oh, the robot? Yeah. Michael Fassbender plays Android in the well, yeah, see, like, movie. I, to me, that's where it starts derailing. Like, yeah. I was just kind of out of it, but I don't understand why the robot did that. I understand the, the concept that the old man is looking for eternal life, and he thinks if the creators are there, then they can give it to him. But I don't see how that poisoning that guy gets you there. Yeah, you have no idea what that's going to do. Like, why would you do that? You know, the big blue people were cool, but why does the big blue person just wake up and decide he needs to go kill Earth? I think it was, I think that was, see, that's the problem with this movie. You have to imply so much. Yeah. You can look for answers, you can find answers, you can go online and get all nerdy with it and go look up the ads and all the marketing materials that were released. Man, speaking of going online and finding theories, I'm not going to get into this theory, but there is a theory online that is getting some traction about Star Wars Episode 3 and how the Emperor killed Padme. This guy is doing some stretching to make some stuff make sense. But you know what movie you don't have to stretch 
anything to make sense is the Martian. That's true. Look at that. Benson bringing it right back around. He gets off point, brings it right back home. It's just a good movie. It is a good movie. It's got that, like, 80s fun movie vibe while still looking like a modern spectacle. And Yeah, it was like uh, Gravity, Apollo 13, with a little bit of Castaway thrown in there. It's got a survival story. It's got science fiction. I like and, how quickly it gets into the movie, too. damn, visually, it is. Yeah. Like, I mean, you said it was shot in Jordan? Yeah, yeah, they shot it in some, uh, there's a, apparently there's a red desert in Jordan. The sand is red. Yeah. And they, uh, they shot Red Mars, uh, not Red Mars, Red Planet with Val Kilmer. The landscapes, though, they had to have done something digitally, because there's, man. Oh, well, I'm sure. Like, even the but, sky, how like, that looks. That crater, and I am positive there is digital stuff mixed in with the actual location. But visually, that digital is excellent, because it blends perfectly. Even the sky, like you were saying, the way the clouds move, and I just I got I got obsessed with the clouds, like how stringy the clouds were. Yeah. They were not like big puffy. Well, because it's a different kind of clouds, and they move faster. Yeah, right. It's a thinner atmosphere. It's just they made they did a good job making everything look alien. So it were, and we're we're both interested in like space and yeah. So like the idea of living on another planet. Yeah, but it's got a good like. That that's what I did like. They took that survival story that you normally see, like in Castaway, where like the guys on a an island, because that's the only way you can do it on Earth, right? So now you take that and you transplant it to this alien world where everything is immediately a billion times fucking harder, because his oxygen supplier is only going to last him like half his time. It's going to take these guys to turn around and yeah. <sighs> so originally NASA has the idea. They find they announce that he dies. They find out that he's alive. And they have not told the crew because they don't want the crew to know they left him there alive. NASA comes up with the idea that they're going to try to launch a pod to get him some supplies to last until they can get there to get him. Yeah. The The scene where they launch the pod and you're watching it go up and you, you, you know what's going to happen. Does it not remind you of, like, Challenger? And, yeah. Uh, you can just, you're seeing it going, and you're just like, I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. And, oh, man, it's just so depressing when it happens. The Chinese step in and say, we have a rocket that's, that's top secret that can make that jump. So the, the Chinese offer up their special top secret rocket. And meanwhile, a scientist dude figures out that it's actually going to be quicker to use the ship with the crew in it that's coming back from mars catapult them around earth using earth's gravity and then shoot them back towards mars but they also got to pick up supplies that right so they have to kind of intercept the supplies that the chinese are shooting up catch that and then they're going to get zipped back towards mars and it's going to add another 530 something days to their mission and they all have to radio back to their families and say hey we're gonna be out here for another two years they did leave him on fucking mars though it was like just think about that though like i mean they don't play it up in the movie this is not a heavy-handed film this isn't interstellar you think about it you're dad and now your job is to go into space and you have to tell your wife all right the next time i'll be home your kid will my kid will be like eight they all make the right choice right 
There's a couple. Of, there's I think the last two are a little. They're they seemed like they were a little. They're, they're a little skeptical, but yeah. they're on board. The captain's on board. His best friend, who he's uh, he's joking with, the guy from Ant Man. But there's not. I mean, that's what I like about this movie. There is not a bad performance. Even the side characters are all interesting, and 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 they play their little. They play their parts. The interactions between him and Michael uh, Pena. <laughs> yeah, their interactions like back and forth, like. Even when they're on the, the space shuttle, when they're talking for the first time, and they realize that this guy is on, on Mars, and oops, my bad, we left you. They have to be joking in that email, because it's almost too painful to yeah, not... They, they have to rib each other. And, yeah, they're sort of tearing up by sending these little jokes. Yeah, and they're, they're ribbing each other the entire time, but it's just like, you can just see through it so crystal clear. The way it's set up, it's just... There's no other way than you can take it other than just being so sad, man. It's just like, oh, dude, this sucks. But it's it goes back to also, it's not, and I'm, I'm going to say again, it's not Interstellar. It's not heavy-handed. No, it's not. I loved Interstellar, but Interstellar is a very heavy movie. In this scene where you can tell the crew is sad, they're upset, they're having to joke through this moment, it keeps that, that fun vibe. So you're still getting that heavy element, but it's not bringing you. You're not feeling that weight. Yeah, it's it's um, nice and hidden in there. So it's you know it's a very different kind of movie. I enjoyed this a lot more than Interstellar, dude. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. This was just. I figured you would. Now, personally, I like Interstellar better. Like I, pers- Interstellar is one of my favorite movies, but for different reasons. I thoroughly enjoyed The Martian. Like that, it's a fun movie. It, I like Interstellar because it makes me think about stuff. Oh man, you didn't, I, dude. The entire time I was thinking about if I was gonna die or live on Mars. I mean, there's no, there's no thinking about it. The moment I woke up with a piece of steel in my chest, I would have went, oh, "I'm gonna die." <laughs> and like, and when he start, when he wakes up and he goes through all those laundry list of all the shit he's got facing against him, dude, you are so unbelievably fucked. Yeah, I would have like immediately gone, okay, we've got 37 days worth of food and a whole bottle of Vicodin. All right, I'm going to take the bottle of Vicodin and step on out, guys. So, okay, when you get stranded, uh, at the very beginning, there's like this, this big dust storm that happens. Yeah, their weather dude reports, hey, the storm's coming. It's coming a lot quicker than we thought. Abort mission, board the ship. Because the storm is strong enough that it can knock the rocket off balance yeah so everybody starts hurrying over but he's the botanist and he's doing something and he's trying to convince them that no we can do this and they don't listen to him they all go toward the ship he gets kind of separated from them captain lady jessica chastain goes back for him but then the crew like come on you gotta go you gotta go and he gets like once the winds start blowing in it he gets impaled by that antenna thing. By the by the communications antenna. That, right. How he communicates to NASA. Problem number one. The way the storm is shot, I know it's not anything visually new, but just the idea of that total blackness. It's the storm from Prometheus is what it is. Just done better. Yeah, it is done better. I do agree with that. I, I, man, I thought this, this was a really good tense scene, and this is how the movie starts. Yeah. And he gets impaled. Yeah, but that scene, I was like, he's pulling, he's pulling the antenna out of him, and he sews it up. I thought that was 
I was surprised how well, brutal that was for PG-13. Not to mention, he pulls it out, and then he has to get the pliers to get the rest of it out. Yes. And then he staples it up. Ah, oh, yeah, it was just a great... This is what this guy is having to go through just to fucking survive. Just to get, oh, just, that's just step this, one. Yeah. And then he starts... The worst for him, though, is that the only music left behind by any of the astronauts is disco music. Oh, dude, I'm so glad you brought that up. That, I thought those scenes were so funny because they end up using those in, in the montages later in the movie. I thought those yeah, were so was, funny. That's just one of the elements that adds like that layer of it's not supposed to be a, like a heavy downing or heavy thought-provoking movie. It's a fun movie. So the soundtrack is full of disco music. Yeah. Because Jessica Chastain's character apparently... Is obsessed with the seventies. Likes disco, so it because isn't he watching? What's the TV show? He's watching some old. Uh, I think it was Happy Times. Isn't it Happy Times with the Fonz? Happy Days or Happy Days? Oh my God, Happy Times, Happy Days, whatever. What am I thinking of? Good Times and Happy Days. I'm gonna have to call you out on that, sir. <laughs> Confuse those two. Anyway, we're not TV guys. No, we're not. And I liked how, like, at first he's very, not very, but there's an element of officialness in his video logs but then as it goes along he's getting looser and looser and i don't don't remember his exact line but when you were talking about when he says that that basically he's in he's in maritime laws right now so he can do do something and then he colonizes the planet oh yeah like fuck (laughs) y'all it's just you know it just gets it gets it plays up on the isolation by having him loosen up in his video blogs yes and he drops a he drops an f bomb on a uh, a live broadcast um, to NASA. I guess it's well, it's getting broadcast all over the world. Because NASA actually they don't so they don't tell the crew. You yeah, know. they figure out a way to use the old rover to communicate with him. Yeah, and when he starts, you know, typing messages, and I still even that like is is cool because it takes when he types a message, it's not instant. It takes like thirty minutes. Yeah. Moving at the speed of light to reach Earth. Oh, the speed of radio waves. Or whatever. <laughs> it's damn near the speed of light. It's um, fucking fast, y'all. Right. I mean, it's faster than my car will go. Yeah, but like the second question he asks is, what did the crew say when they found out I was still alive? And yep. then NASA has to tell him, well, we didn't tell them you're still alive. They don't know. And they kind of have a good reason for it, though, too, because... They have a very valid point of look. They are traveling from Mars back to Earth. That's a like think of all the things that can go wrong. Right, and there's nothing really they can do. Why make them feel like crap? Yeah, make them feel guilty and start not focusing on their normal daily tasks. Now I tasks. do. If I was gonna nitpick anything, oh oh, here we go. Nitpick anything is that NASA decides not to allow the crew to catapult back and go back and get him and then there's one renegade pilot at nasa that sneaks in a coded message that tells them that this is an idea if you guys will have to kind of hide pull a captain kirk and hijack the ship to do it and then they decide to do it so then once they decide to do it nasa says okay we'll do it yeah that subplot was probably my least favorite in the movie like, I really liked all the stuff with uh, hey, Jeff Daniels. Like, honestly, like, if when him and Jeff Daniels are talking and he... 
I didn't mind him sending the message. I didn't mind him going against Jeff Daniels and saying it's up to the pilots. I just, I to me, the it could have been easily... Because Jeff Daniels hasn't come across like a dick. He's just come across like the guy that is there to make the hard decisions. Yeah, he's there, and he's very blunt. Right. So, to me, like, you could have got it, got it done just as quick and easily if the crew told Jeff Daniels, we want to do this, instead of hijacking, and then there's the scene. I mean, it's almost the throwaway scene where the guy at the computer is, they've changed course. And then Jeff Daniels looks over and goes, you're fired. <laughs> or no, I expect your resignation when this is over. Right. This is what he tells Sean Bean. And he's like, um, he's like which, right. you know, that scene's fine. It's just that, it's just that one little thing of they're going to hijack it. It's not even played up as important. So to me, that was just sort of one little moment where the script was. Yeah, I got you. It wasn't completely to, it necessary. Was, it, trying to add that one element of excitement that it, I don't know. Personally, I didn't think it needed. No, yeah, I'm with you. I was pretty much excited enough. Jeff Daniels and Sean Bean, that's that's probably my least favorite of, of that stuff, but I still thought it was good. Um, I love the scene where, what's the guy's name that uh, figures out that we can catapult him? Donald Glover. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if that's Danny Glover's son. It's not. I was actually looking that up, and he's got it on his IMDb things like, I am not Danny Glover's <laughs> child. <laughs> he's like, just because I'm black with the last name Glover, you fucks. Apparently, he has gotten that a lot. Okay, well. So don't 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 say that to D him, D. Glover, who is excellent in this movie. Yeah, he is really good. There's a great scene where he uh, he has figured out that, and he's basically a nobody. Who doesn't get any sleep at all. Right. And he, his job, he is one of the guys in the think tank trying to figure out how to save the guy on Mars. And somebody says something to him, and it makes him start thinking about something. And you don't know what it is for a while. And he's just like, coffee, just downing coffee. And then finally, he, he busts in on Jeff Daniels and says, here's what we're going to do. Or here's what we can do. And Jeff Daniels is just looking at him like, who are you? And even though he likes the idea, like, it's just that cold CEO, get him out of here. It is just so... <laughs> he, grabs, he grabs his pen out, too. He starts using it as a, yeah. the space shuttle. Oh, man, dude. Yeah. His energy in that scene is really good. Because you know, he's, like, it, so, Ridley so Scott did a great job, but, you know, 50% of the entertainment in this is the actors. They are stealing the scene, scene by scene. I want to call it the script too, man. This script is really well done. Like, yeah. come Oscar time, I would be really surprised if this if this doesn't make the best adapted. I would list. I would like to see Matt Damon on the list and screenplay on the list and director on the list. Yeah, not sure I'd go as far as best picture, but nah, fuck it. I'd say you know, yeah, if it, I'd say best. Picture. If it's ten, I mean, well, right now I would say yeah, best picture. <laughs> You know, I mean, if you're going uh, with yeah. ten, I mean, especially, what? I'm not a big awards guy, so. Dude, I'm I'm really hoping that the Academy finally recognizes stunt people, and we can give the first best stunt performance to Mad Max Fury Road, and we can get that as a category that's added. That's not even in the um, the technical stuff that they don't televise. I mean, it may be, but it needs to be in the tele... I don't think they give out any stunt Oscars, dude. Who's ever won a... I don't think any... I've never known anybody that's ever won a stunt Oscar. I'm going to Google it. Stunt Oscars. I, I mean, personally, I'm not a big awards guy. I think it's kind of... 
I think it's kind of hard to say who's the best actor. You know, they're not playing the same parts. No, yeah, there's no... Well, there should be. Yeah, there should be, because... That's part of movie making. It's a huge part of movie making. Like, think of all the awesome fucking shit. That's the one part people die doing. Yeah. Dude, think about Raiders of the Lost Ark, that truck scene, man. When, like, he's... Oh, my God. Think of what... That's before CGI. That's insane. That's one of that and the Road Warrior. Man, I think that's just some of the best stunt work ever. That, they, they deserve Oscars for that shit. Man, we've got to do an Indiana Jones segment. And before the new one is announced and made. Chris Pratt is Indiana it. Jones. You know it's going to happen. Yeah, it's, dude, he's going to be in the hat with the whip. Have they officially announced it yet, or is it still just rumor? We're, we're, we're just still waiting, buddy. We're just still waiting for that announcement. It's, if that doesn't happen, I, I will literally Not, be, you know, Honestly, normal, normally, I am a... I'm sort of odd, like, when they announce a remake or a reboot of something, especially when it's something that I beloved, like Raiders of the Lost Ark or Indiana Jones, I poop on it. I'm like, no, don't touch my favorite. But the idea of sort of continuing the Indiana Jones world or universe with Chris, Chris Pratt as Indiana Jones does, does sound kind of fun to me. No, yeah, I'm totally excited I'm, for I'm that. Kind of, I'm kind of on board with this. I am, yeah, totally with and, you, man. And, and even down to the part of, like, the whole reason the first one was made was because Spielberg wanted to make a, a Bond movie, and Lucas had this idea that was sort of like a Bond movie, but different. So this kind of, it reaches to that point where now Indiana Jones starts becoming that secondary Bond where we get another Indiana Jones, and we can continue having these, like, I would love to be 60 years old and... Still getting new great Indiana Jones. I just hope they keep making them good. Like, here's our third indie. Oh, right. You our know. fourth indie. I mean, you know, like I still get really excited when James Bond movies are coming out. Uh, yes. Probably not as excited as you do, but no, like, everybody I'm, gets excited for Bond. I'm, just, you know, let's. It's fun. It's it's an exciting. Oh, the new James Bond's coming out, and when they announce this guy is the new James Bond, I, I, yeah, I could I could dig an Indiana Jones. Thing like that. I just hope they're better than Crystal Skull. I I don't complain about a lot of movies, but man, that one just dude. Seriously, how how hard is it to make a better movie than Crystal Skull? I mean, I, I, I you know, like as much as I would love to sit down and just talk with Steven Spielberg, like that would be amazing. But I would love to get the back the behind the scenes story on dude. What was up? What was up with Crystal Skull? It's not even talking about whether it's a bad movie or not. It's just, just looking at the series is it's a huge drop in well, quality. Even in the interviews just, with Spielberg post movie, those are so different than his normal interviews. It's almost, almost throwing Lucas under a bus without throwing Lucas under a bus. But he did constantly make interviews where he would say. Uh, Lucas came to me, he wanted to do Aliens, and we said, no, I don't want to do I've already done Aliens, and that's not Indiana Jones. And then there was this other idea, which now we know is the Darabont idea, and then Lucas came back and said, okay, we're not going to do Aliens, we're going to do Interdimensional Beings. So Lucas Spielberg said, he said, at that point, I was like, okay, George, we'll just do it. It's your, it's your thing. Guys, we... Missed out on a Frank Darabont written Indiana Jones movie. 
which was about the thing a thing called an epoph epoph that's so sad dude that apparently king david wore when he would go into the holy of holies around the ark of the covenant and this apparently this movie would have been set in the late 40s early 50s and the Russians break in and steal the Ark of the Covenant from Area 51. And then the CIA taps Indiana Jones to go get it back. And he has to go find this Epoph thing that will help him find the Ark. How much more awesome that does that sound? That sounds so much better, doesn't it? God damn. Look, look. I- and apparently there's a, there's, a, there's a part in the movie that Spielberg had added... I, this is all rumor pit stuff, but it's a rumor pit that I'm getting from a fairly good source. Um, the scene where Indiana Jones, after the nuclear bomb goes off, and he's you know he's getting cleaned up and he's talking to the guys, and he mentions his years working with the CIA during yeah. after the war. That's a nod to the Darabont script. That's, yeah, that's, I had read that that's somewhere. Spielberg saying, I, "This is what we could have done." I like to criticize many movies on this podcast. Like mostly, I like to talk about real positive things. But it was a real. This is a personal downer, sour note. Because Indiana Jones is just so important. That's like, well, it's, the, it's just like The Martian. Like I get that same kind of feeling well, from The was, Martian. It's fun. It's great. It, you know, it's exciting. Well, it was. It was three very unforgettable movies. And then we were so excited, everyone was so excited for the fourth one, which turned out to be utterly forgettable. And yeah, we this is not a negative podcast. We we don't like, but there are movies that we don't like. There are. And you can't get around I it. Respect Sorry, guys. The, I respect the work that went into it. I respect everything that they did, except for the final outcome. <sighs> Dude, we we have so little to say about The Martian in terms of like things we dislike. We're like, we got to pick out these terrible... <laughs> Let's talk about Prometheus and well, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. But it's like you and, said, it's... Uh, well, we, we always get off topic, but... But no, I mean, it's true. It's, the Martian has that fun 80s vibe. It's a uh, Ridley Scott, Steven Spielberg space segment. And it, it, is, it is really fun. Um Dude, I mean, I I just can't say anything else about this movie other than it's amazing, and you should go see it. Right. Um. And I'm I'm gonna bring up. I know you haven't seen it yet, and I doubt we'll get a chance to do a podcast on it. No, we're gonna do when it comes to video. But go ahead and give us your. Don't listen to the criticisms you've heard of the visit. It's not overly shaky. It will not make you throw up. Well, one scene might, but it's not because of the camera work. Oh, so it's got some good gore in it. Him in gore. See, I don't, I don't, I don't like to know the endings of movies, so we're not. He's not going to spoil it for me. See, so there's a, there's a, there's a shit scene. Go see this movie. And this like, is the grandma. The kids going to grandma and grandma. yeah, the okay. a sister and a brother, whose mother is going to send them while she is going on her honeymoon, to go visit their grandmother and grandfather for the first time. They've never met them. Her parents uh, had a fight, and they have not spoken to each other in years. Uh, the mom says that you know they're finally reaching out and communicating, so they're going to try to mend the bond or mend the wound by sending the kids out and letting them spend a week with their grandparents. And the daughter, uh, she's like 15, 13. She's 13. She's really into filmmaking, so she's going to make a documentary 
about how her mom left her left home for her dad, who eventually left her. All right, and, so she's making a family documentary. Right, and her little brother is hilarious. He's a little white eight-year-old that wants to be a rapper, so he's constantly flowing. I know, like, people kind of criticize M. Night for having twists. Everything has a twist. I wouldn't call this a twist. Oh, so M. Night's getting away from twists. Well, I mean, it's got, I guess, technically it's a twist, but it's the kind of, like, twist of, you know, like, there has to be a twist, you know? Like, you can't have this movie without the reveal of what's going on. Well, is the whole movie predicated on this twist being revealed, though? Once you find out what's wrong with the grandparents. Like, that's what I'm saying. Is like You see the trailer, you know the kids go to the grandparents' house, and there's obviously something wrong. Oh, yeah, it's a horror movie. You know, okay. yeah. So, it's not like his other movies where the twist is kind of out of nowhere. I mean, this is, you're expecting to find out what happens, and then when you find it out, you're like, whoa, it, it is, it's the most obvious, but... It catches. It, I was in a theater of about twenty people, and I there was a there was a unanimous, holy shit moment. Like you could hear really? everyone say it, and it's it's not like some reaching for an idea of what's going on. Once you find out what's going on, you're like, fuck! How did I miss that? All right, so M Night's kind of back, huh? I thought he did an excellent job with this. It is a hour and a half, tales from the crypt, straight up creepy it's tense all right it's fun rank it in, in, like where 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 does this fall in the m night filmography for you let me pre preamble this with i loved the sixth sense first time i saw it but upon repeat viewings that twist kind of is the reason you love the movie you, you're, like, surprised, and like, holy crap. But then when you watch it again and again, it's like, all right, well... Yeah. I really like Unbreakable. I think Unbreakable is a cool movie. It's a cool story. It's... I mean, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. I'm not going to spoil it, but... Oh, yeah. That's my favorite that's, of his. So, I would say Unbreakable, The Visit, Sixth Sense, Signs. Hey, hold up. So, you liked it better than Signs, too? Yeah. Way better, yeah. Really? Okay. All right. All right. It's it's simple. I'm it's, not a science hater, so I'm not either. Um, it's not a gory movie. It's not out to like give you nightmares. But while but, you're but, watching it, it is rated R, though, right? I think so. Okay. You know, it's classic horror fun. Is M Night uh, do a little cameo in no, this? No, he is. I have died to not see him unless he's like a pedestrian in the back somewhere. But he can be. He can do all that cameo and all he wants. No, I didn't see him at all. All right, good. I um, thought he was the. I thought it was a great use of the the found footage format, talking about filmmaking and like I just uh, this is not give anything away, but like there's one point where the brother is starting to really get concerned about what's going on, and he decides to put their B camera hide it on a shelf and let's record what's going on. And she's giving him like a lecture on, no, that's not ethical and in filmmaking and this and this. And he's like, well, what about reality TV? And she's like, Man, fuck reality TV. No, it seems like it's getting, I've seen a lot of like decent press for it. I mean, it's, it's made over $60 million already. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's definitely worth 
and I heard he financed it himself. So I mean, it, it's a success story for him for sure. It, you know, puts him. Well, I'm glad because it's definitely it's just a fun ride. It's not meant to be anything bigger. It's not meant to be like you know this huge statement. It's like I said, it's an hour and a half. Tales from the Crypt, well made, and the kid actors are great. All right, well, we'll check it out, and uh, when it comes out on DVD, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll take a look at it and talk about it some more. On Blu-ray. Or oh yes, right, Blu-ray DVD. What the fuck is that? What what is that? Coasters? What, what, what do we do with those anymore? I don't know. I don't, we we sell them to Fye when we buy the new replacement Blu-ray for that you movie. You were damn straight, brother. Oh man, I picked up um went up to Best Buy. They've got their Halloween selection out. Picked up the uh, Child's Play and Carrie 77, 76, whatever. The Child's Play Blu-ray, watched it last night. with That is a clean copy. Yeah. Uh, that is a very well transferred. Yeah, I got the uh, the Chucky collection. Um, they did a good job with mo- most of them. Two and three a little are a little spotty on the transfer, but one looks great. Um, they I went back and did that. I haven't seen past three. I, I sort of stopped watching. Although three has my favorite Chucky moment. When he's in the general's office and he's got his knife and he's walking across the desk and the general dies of a heart attack and Chucky just looks at him. He's like, you gotta, you gotta be, be fucking, fucking kidding, kidding me. me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. I love uh, Brad Dorff. Thank you for those. Yeah. I do. I love, uh, love child's play. I love uh, De Palma's Carrie as well. Yeah. Uh, my, my daughter is now 11 years old and she is a bona fide horror fan. Um, now she wants to see, Paranormal Activities 1, 2, 3, and 4, so she can go see oh. Ghost Dimension. I told her, just watch one, and then I'll take you to see Ghost Dimension. No, I, one and three. One and three. I, I, I liked one through, one, one, sorry, one through three, like one, two, and three. I yeah, liked all, I like all that, yeah. I like that little trilogy. I want, I want I those are well done. I wanted to see Blair Witch first. Yeah. Because um, I, I didn't think about it, but when we went to see The Village today, that was her first introduction into the found footage type movie and so i was explaining like how that works and she's like oh well that's such a cool idea that this whole movie is her documentary there's a a movie on netflix that's uh it's a children's film it's like a explorers kind of et film that's found footage it's called earth to echo i've heard about that yeah hey have you seen um they're getting kind of all over with that have you seen the trailer for the uh, R.L. Stein's Goosebumps? Yeah. I think that looks like a lot of fun. I mean, it could be. I mean, I don't... Like, I don't know. Like, as a dad, I would never go see that movie. Like, I'm not going to call you up and be like, Brian, let's go check out R.L. Stein's Goosebumps. Yeah, no. But I can see that being a really fun, like, day before Halloween, matinee with the kids. As long as it's not like... I See, I don't care much for, like... Like Eddie Murphy's like the haunted mansion. Like I didn't. I never saw it. That's not my kind of movie. Yeah. Well, this is it's the same kind of film. It's like that kind of that kid, uh, you know, the kid horror film with live action actors. Like I don't know. The werewolf look cool. I'm never really. I'm usually not into like Jumanji and stuff. Those those are usually not. You don't my like kind Jumanji? Of What's wrong with you, boy? No, Zathura and all that I never stuff. Never saw that one. Yeah, like the the '80s versions of those kind of movies, I love. But you don't take your kids to that movie for you to enjoy it. You take your kids to that movie for them to enjoy it, and yeah. you enjoy watching them enjoy it. 
I guess our kids are just different age. Like our Halloween movie that we're are we taking the kids to next weekend's uh, Hotel Transylvania Two. Like that's that's our level here right now. You know, my oldest is only seven, so right. Well, what are you gonna do? Goosebumps, huh? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're doing a movie crew podcast, and thought I would throw a curve out there. You know what? I'd say a trailer. I'm excited for uh, Macbeth with Michael Fassbender. I haven't heard anything about this. Dude, it looks absolutely incredible. Production design, the shots. What do you think of that? Uh, Amazing. Crimson Peak or whatever that new oh, yeah, Del that comes Toro out. movie that comes out next weekend. What do you think? Does it look good? Does Dude, it, it looks look... amazing. Are you kidding me? Have I you know. seen the trailers? Yeah, I'm seeing the trailers. I'm a little like I'm not sure what I think. What it you... looks great. It yeah, looks it's awesome. And I love the Toro stuff. But then yeah. again, there's a certain there's certain moments where it's like eh, it's, it's like Mama, a little too much CG. Uh, ye have little faith in Del Toro. Man, dude has never let me down, man. I There's not a single Del Toro film I dislike. Guillermo can... The Pan's Labyrinth yeah. is one of the most amazing... Dude, everything. Every, everything from Kronos. Like, I think my least favorite movie of his, and I'm going to back up before I say this, was uh, shit, the giant robot movie, Pacific Rim. Get out of here. Oh, my God. That's, like, one of the greatest films ever fucking made. Are you insane? I can't believe I... That movie was so... That that movie is the definition of fun. Like, what is wrong? You don't like fun, Benson? Are you anti-fun? Hey, I said the Goosebumps movie could be fun, and you're all, like, pooping on that. That's, just, that, 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 that's not made for me. That's, you know, it's made for, uh, you know, 7 to 11-year-olds, apparently. I'm not, you know, the 7 or 11 year old, you know. This is all. This I mean, is, I liked. I mean, I liked Pacific Rim. I just, it's not of his body of work. I thought it was his weakest. I mean, I, I really maybe enjoy mimic. It. I, I don't know. I, I enjoy everything. Devil's Backbone, great. Um, yeah, it's all good. I really like the Hellboy movies too. One yeah, and two, Hellboy are really good. Hellboy two, maybe. Oh, Hellboy two is great. Oh, it's good. I'm just trying to think. Is do I like Hellboy two more than Pacific Rim, or Pacific Rim more than Hellboy two? Oh 2? my god. I, they're all they're all just masterpieces of gold. Like you should just be so happy that you you got these nuggets of gold here. I remember leaving the theater of a specific rim, and like there was literally a split in the audience of people that were leaving talking about how disappointed they were, and people leaving talking about how awesome it was. Since we're talking about Pacific Rim, the sequel got. Uh... Pulled from Universal's schedule indefinitely. Why? I don't know. That's that's all the word we have right now. It it got pulled. We'll call Universal and find out. Hey, dude, if I if you're you're you should be. I'm the editor. All right. I don't call people. People call me. That's how well, that t- works. I'll, I'll, I call I'll, people and they just don't answer. I'll, the same happens to everybody. I'll I'll call Universal and then have them call you. All right, there we go. And now we can get somewhere. the lowdown on. Yeah, like, I was. Hey, um, Mr. Elkins would like to know what the fuck is up with Pacific Rim and <sighs> would... when can this be on track to green light? Please, please, I yes, I, I would. Whatever happened to his sequel. Frankenstein movie? I'll do that in the at the Mountains of Madness. And that wasn't that the H.P. Lovecraft adaptation he was going to do. He was like, he had Tom Cruise in that. Like that's how close that got. His he's had so many projects that just fall apart. Like he's Hellboy three has been on the back burner for, well, now, for five that, years. I know that he had left The Hobbit because he wanted to go to work on 
Frankenstein, and I was really excited about that idea. Although I, really, I don't know, I think he just left the Hobbit because it was taking too damn long because really, of legal troubles. Really wish he would have made the Hobbit because talk right, we, about King. We, we can't talk about any more shitty cinema, man. Crystal Skull here, like <laughs> we can't talk about any more shit. Okay, uh, so let, let's let's wrap this up. Um, sounds like Benson definitely recommends the visit. Yeah, and both of us, we, we can't talk highly enough of the Martian. Yes, please go see this movie. It is fun. You will not regret it. Great performances from everyone. Great script. Great direction. This is a four or five star movie. Uh, so far, yeah. This and Mad Max, favorite films of the year, and Ex Machina as well. I really, or however the fuck you pronounce it, really like that. And it follows those. So far, these are my four. Great film. I, I don't know if I like it more than Mad Max though. I'm definitely gonna go see it again. I gotta go see this. I one liked again. it more than Mad Max. Mad Max was great though. That's just you don't like that kind of movie though. That's not really. Your I cup did of tea. like Mad Max. I know, but that's that, that kind of movie is not really your kind of movie. That's not your cup of tea. I mean, it's not like you know. I've never like searched out those punk compostal But as far as like putting it up against Martian, I think Martian's a better movie. Martian's really good, man. The crazy question that I was asking myself when I walked out of the theater was. Was that better than Gravity? Because here's the thing. And the only reason I even bring this up. All right, now, now, personally, I like it more than Gravity. That is not saying that it is a better movie, better executed. Gravity did some really groundbreaking shit. Well, here's where I'd like to throw the distinction here. Gravity was the better theater-going experience. It was the better roller coaster ride. The Martian's the better film. For me, like the problem I have with gravity is when I got it home, I saw it, I saw it twice in the theater, both in 3D. Mm-hmm. When I got it home, I got my Blu-ray in. It loses so much, dude. It loses so much in your TV. Problem: I we need to install a a theater in our backyards. Well, and um, all right, well, here's but, a different here's a different perspective on gravity. I really enjoy showing someone a movie that I enjoy that they haven't seen it. Went and saw Gravity, loved it, came out on Blu-ray, showed it to my wife and daughter. They loved it. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I knew what was going to happen, but the it was still exciting to watch them enjoy it. Now, on a third viewing, when my wife and I had both seen it and were watching it on the TV, all of that was gone. And now I'm just paying attention to the technical execution so I don't think Gravity has the rewatchability on home video that The Martian will. For example, Mad Max Fury Road. I can watch that in the theater and be I'm excited. I can, I'm still feeling the same excitement on Blu-ray. I've already seen it five or six times. Gravity, I've seen it once on Blu-ray. My point here is that My other side. with The Martian, it's not the spectacle that made it good. It's no, the, it's, it's the, the story. It's the story, it's the characters... And I'll enjoy that over and over and over. Yes. So personally, for me, The Martian's a better movie. Yeah, I think it's the better movie. And this is also why I think award shows are bullshit, because it's all a bunch of people just like us going, well, my opinion is. Well, yeah. I mean, well, you know, that's what all this is, right? Because really at the end of the day. Can we do an anti-Oscars podcast? What do you mean? What's an anti-Oscar podcast? Where we just like, you know, after they announce all the winners, we just call bullshit on everything. 
I'm sure we'll do that eventually anyway. We'll, I'm sure we'll do that the minute the announcement's going to be like, can you believe they let this motherfucker off the list? This guy was awesome. This girl was kick-ass. This person was just amazing. And no nomination. But this asshole over here, <laughs> they got a nomination. They were in the movie for five minutes. I think it's amazing how like, Nolan is not is just overlooked. Whose dick is he not sucking, or who did he piss off, dude? Seriously. Yeah, like, seriously. Like, the big one was the, uh, when The Dark Knight came out, and all of the technical awards, even, even hitting up acting. Well, like, Inception came out, and I think it was uh, Kevin Smith was tweeting live during the Oscars, and he's like, wait a minute. How is it possible the movie is nominated for, like, Best Picture... But not best director. I mean, it was just like a re- retarded list of nominations that and they just left off best director. And he he, had, he even like tweeted, "Too bad uh, Inception doesn't have a director." Well, he did get a he did get a writing nod for for Inception okay. a, and for Memento as well. But the Academy Awards. Yeah, for the honest, he's got yeah he got nominated for the writing, but. Um... I don't know. I guess he just did not do a good enough job. Everyone else that works around him gets nominated, but he can't, you know. Yeah, I guess he just didn't make a well good enough movie when he made The Dark Knight and Inception and Chris, we can't give you an Oscar for hiring great people here, buddy. That's that's not what directing is. <laughs> you can't create new ways to make movies and expect us to give you awards for it, sir. <laughs> you have to do it the old way. Uh uh, you like the visit? We like the Martian. Martian's great. Go see it. Uh, we we need to. Wrap I would. Up re- I would really like it if um anybody goes sees the Martian wants to share their takes on it. Uh, do we have a voicemail? Yeah, we got a voicemail. Do we give it Call out? Call us the up. End? Leave your voicemail. We'll play your voicemail on the show. Let you let other people hear what you think of the Martian. Yes, that number is three two three five three nine eight six six one. And of course, our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew, crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E, at gmail.com. And, you know, always as always, check out the Girl in Woods Twitter page. There's about to be some cool stuff announced. Anything else? Well, you did play me the new Bond song, so maybe we should close the show. Oh, we're not, Bond fuck song. that. No, we're, we're doing some fucking, oh my god. Ah, that Bond song sucks. <laughs> so we'll be closing out the show tonight with a little bit of the score from the Martian soundtrack by Harry Gregson Williams. This is track three, titled Making Water. Enjoy! Enjoy!